Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock from MCG Quantity Surveyors. Today, we're going to head in a slightly different direction than normal. We're going to take a deep dive into a new real estate platform. It's called Rate the Rental, and it provides a platform for renters across Australia to share their thoughts on the properties and their experience with the dwelling and the people involved. It's designed to take the guesswork out of providing renters with the information they need to make informed decisions about where they choose to live based on real life reviews. We talked to Trevor about the reason why he set up this platform and about how landlords plug into this platform as well. So a bit like Google Places, you're able to claim your investment property and basically manage the the reviews and the comments and reply to the comments there. So it's an interesting one for property investors. I'm not sure if you've had an investment property pop up on Rate the Rental, but Trevor's here to explain all about it. Here's Trevor. Trevor Wyatt, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. This is going to be a bit of an interesting one. Uh, we're sort of, I guess we're a bit into the prop tech space today. So, Trevor, can you let us know who you are and what you specialise in? Sure, yeah. Um, so, I'm a, an Aussie born and bred. Uh, family's from Australia. I, I live in Sydney all my life. I'm currently in the Sutherland Shire. Um, and I, I specialise in a specific area of digital marketing called CRM or customer relationship management, which is all, all about the efficient use of, of customers' data, depending on uh, sort of whatever goal it is that the business is trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've sort of traditionally worked in the, the online B2C retail space. So I'm more of a B2C guy than B2B. Um, and I've worked in both Australia and the United States. Um, my, my wife is, is American, so I actually met her here and then uh, chased her over there and that's when I, I sort of ended up working over there in, in Colorado, Denver, Colorado, the home of the Rocky Mountains, um, for about five years and that's where I, I sort of developed my specialisation in, uh, in CRM, working for a large agency there for a long time, uh, which was, was great. And then uh, decided for something different and, and packed bags and dragged my wife back to uh, Australia after we got married. And uh, yeah, back here since. And, and we've since um, had a, a little boy. He's about almost three now. So starting a family back here in Australia. And um, yeah, sort of it was through that, that sort of work experience that I, I got a bit of a background in, um, you know, e-commerce, digital tools and systems and figuring out how to build websites and stitch bits and pieces together and, and that sort of thing. And I'm kind of a uh, habitual learner and, and tinkerer. You know, I enjoy building stuff, whether it's, you know, physical DIY stuff around home or, or online stuff. Um, and and this this business sort of venture was, was the next natural iteration uh, along that path after a couple of experiences, I guess. Yeah, and I guess that sort of sets the scene for creating uh, Rate the Rental, which we definitely are about to dive into. But what about growing up? What was on the bedroom wall as a kid? Yeah, God. Um, I was a little bit of a sports nut as a kid. Um, I played a lot of golf and a lot of basketball. So I I basically had, you know, wall-to-wall coverings of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen posters. Yeah. and, uh, you know, Greg Norman and Tiger Woods were all over the place as well. Um, and I, nice. 
Yeah, I, uh, I still forget, well, I'll never forget, I should say, in high school, uh, when I was back in high school a long time ago now, was the, the craze of collecting and trading basketball cards became a very big thing. Uh, so yeah, I remember being convinced that I was going to be independently wealthy by my <laughs> uh, Dikembe Mutombo limited edition. Oh, so that was a real course. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it very much it was. <laughs> and in fact, you know what, I, it's funny that you say that because I remember at the local Westfield, you'd, you'd be able to walk in and for a, a few years there, there were dedicated retail stores that only sold basketball cards. Um, and they apparently... Yeah, we're able to make a living off it. I wouldn't have thought it would have been that big, but it was a bit short-lived. But, um, yeah, they'd always be packed full of kids looking in the cabinets at all the stuff that was in the, the little protective cases and so forth. Um, yeah. Still That's, got a couple somewhere. Let, let's let's hope I'm sitting on a few million bucks, but I suspect uh, <laughs> probably not. What, yeah. what, what about... What about property, um, Trevor? What's your sort of background in, in property and what was your first investment? Sure. Um, so I've, I've been a, a renter for most of my adult life. Um, I've, I've not yet dived into buying an investment property or our first home as a, a family, as an owner-occupier. Probably been renting since I was about 24 or 25, you know, around the age when you, you move out with your mates and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I did that down here in the Southern Shire in Cronulla for a long time. Um, my first investment, I'm just trying to think. I, I do dabble a little bit in, in equities, in shares. You know, I don't definitely not an expert by any means, um, and I'm, I'm not even smart enough to buy GameStop uh, stock. You know, the latest craze that was happening there. So I, I can't sit here and, and tell you that I've made millions off um, you know the back of, of hedge funds and that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I just bought into a bunch of blue chip stocks individually, like um, some of the banks and insurance companies and Coles and Woolies and, and that sort of thing. So I got my start there um, and then stopped trying to individually pick the, t- pick the market with those and sold out of individual positions with those. And, and now I'm, I'm sort of the um, – I follow the, the advice of, of the great uh, Warren Buffett as a, a value investor. So I sort of you know, just squirrel money away um, slowly over time. As, um, yeah, and just, just sort of try and build wealth up that way, essentially, as best I can, you know. I've heard of that bloke. I think he, I think he seems to know what he's doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I want yeah, to ask how much of the motivation thing. for this site, um, Rate the Rental, comes from you being a renter. But per- perhaps before we dive into that, can you, can you actually give us a rundown on what Rate the Rental actually is? Okay. I'm interested in I'm interested in how much of the motivation for rate the rental or creating rate the rental comes from your experience as a long term renter. But before mm-hmm. we talk about that, can you give us actually a bit of a rundown of what the what rate the rental actually is? Sure. So in a nutshell, um, rate the rental is essentially a, a website where renters can go to rate their current rental property and their past rental properties on a, a bunch of different factors of, in terms of uh, livability, quality of life, affordability, all that sort of thing. So, um, and it, the aim is to then have the rental community help and work with each other to spread and disseminate that information using the site as a central hub. So once the site has a decent number of, of reviews built up, the idea is that the rental community can then use that as a central meeting point to go and read rental reviews 
on a rental property that they may in fact be considering to rent. Um, so it's, it's often very difficult as a renter, and I found this in particular when I was younger, when you've got several places to go to in the one day and you know, often it's in a three or four hour window on a Saturday morning or something like that, um, where you can't get to every place within a half an hour window and you've got to make a call on where you spend your time. Um, so something like this, I figured, would be a, a useful asset and provide some value to renters in helping them sort of navigate the minefield of, of what it may actually be like to live in that property, you know, from a livability perspective, affordability, from a noise perspective or, or what have you. Um, and, and we can dive sort of more into some of those factors. But essentially that's what we're aiming to, to provide. So I'm guessing that that sort of technology or that sort of system is even more important at the moment when we're we're looking at a market where vacancy rates are so low, the rental market is so tight, you know, renters are, are really kind of like second-class citizens in a way, or, or at least they don't have a tremendous amount of power when there's 60 of them turning up to an open home and really there's applications coming out the ears of the property manager and the landlord. Right, so yeah. you need to be pretty efficient with your time, right? So so that's what we're talking about? Yeah, essentially. that's you. I couldn't really put it better myself. And it's um, particularly in markets you know, and sub pockets of certain suburbs or suburbs in certain cities where the vacancy rates are quite low. You know, I'll, I'll never forget turning up to, you know, a few inspections when um, my wife and I got back to Sydney from, from being overseas. And if the property looked good from the initial photos posted online, you could get 50 to 80 people turning up. Mm -hmm. And you've only got 15 minutes to look through some of these places where, if you have to line up because the property is not big enough to allow that entire group to walk through at one time, often that 15-minute window to inspect that property can turn into five minutes. And as a renter, you don't really have the time or the resources to truly understand what it's like to live at that property over a long period of time. Mm. And I think when my wife and I were sort of strategizing this and trying to understand how we pitch it and what the value is we could provide and she actually said it best she said you know what people spend more time reviewing a restaurant online that they'd like to go and eat at with their friends for two hours on a saturday night than they do a rental property that they're potentially going to live in for the next 12 months or two years or what have you and the, yeah. the reason for that is a complete lack of information right yeah so that's, that's one of the things that we're trying to help solve here. And I guess it goes back to your, your question because if you've got two, three, five places that you're trying to knock off in the morning as a renter and, and run in, inspect, you know, get an idea of, oh, you know, is the kitchen big enough? Would my couch fit here? Where would I put the TV? Can I fit my bed and a dresser in the bedroom? You know, if the door opens this way or what have you. Um, unless you've got all those measurements in your head and you've got the room and the time to throw a tape measure out on the ground, you've, you've basically got Buckley's of being able to tick all those boxes in your own head. Um, mm. So that's, that's sort of where we're trying to hit the nail on the head and provide a little bit of help. Because as a renter, if you can read a review for that property and get an idea of what it's like to live there, you know, is it, is it super hot in summer? Does it hold the heat well? Is it cool? Is it, do I get a car park space? Is, is it, does it have pest problems? 
what's the neighbour noise like or the traffic noise like? Um, you know, do I have a neighbour that loves to stay up till 3am in the morning playing death metal or something like that? You know, it's, um, are all those sorts of questions that can actually be quite helpful to people because people want different things from a rental property at different stages of their life, right? So when you're a young guy and you're moving out with your mates or you're a young girl and you're moving out with a couple of girlfriends, having some loud neighbours probably isn't that much of a big issue because... Or a bonus. Yeah, for potential. Invite them over, yeah. Um, pay a premium for the death metal next door. (laughs) And, um, yeah, because you're only going to use the place to, you know, come home and Netflix and chill or whatever on the weekend and sleep and then for the rest of the time you're either at work or you're at party. But when what I found as I sort of transitioned into my sort of 30s and early 30s with my wife and then we had our son, um, you know, a bit of peace and quiet and, you know, safety and security and ease and convenience become much more important. Um, and so that depending on what you find and if you were to be able to review a place that either met your needs or didn't, that can actually save people a lot of time and a lot of heartache. And in some cases, even the things like break fees, if you had to break a lease and the situation was bad enough that you wanted to get out, Um so this sort of service we think can can really provide a lot of value to people based on what where they are in that stage of life, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely it does. And I was just kind of thinking about your, your restaurant analogy. You don't spend a tremendous amount of time in a restaurant and your taste buds do kind of forget. But um, <laughs> you're living in their property, you know, there is such a thing as, as sick buildings and, yeah, little things like actually in this bedroom you probably can't fit a double bed. These are just things that you have to figure out as you go and uh, and then potentially live with for 12 months, as you say. Mm-hmm. but. But Trevor, you've, you've, you're really hijacking my original plan for this interview, which was to categorise this as a landlord bashing website. <laughs> now, right. now, be be honest with us. Surely, this this could potentially turn into a little bit of a gripe platform for um, tenants that have had landlords increase the rent fairly with market increases and that sort of stuff is that something that you've thought about or you anticipate or is that just exclusively the landlord perhaps knee-jerk reaction to something like this that gives a bit more power to the tenant right yeah fair question Um, and this is one which comes up a lot once you know we start talking to people and, and trying to explain where the site is sort of positioned and and i suppose the first thing i would say there is that um there'll always be edge cases to to everything Right, so in the same sense that you would would have some landlords out there that really do either not take care of the property or not take care of the tenant, and you know that the place should basically be condemned or whatnot. You know, you, there might be in 0.5 or one percent of cases in the, the country or, or something like that. You'll also have some tenants who, you know, either unfortunately don't take care of the property to the level of the responsibilities that they do have, or they may in fact just you know, have a, a bit of a complaint that is is potentially a bit false or might be stretching the truth. So th- there is the potential for those sorts of things to happen. Um, we did actually think about that as being a, a risk for the site in terms of credibility because for something like this to work, really you need to get the buy-in of multiple parties. You know, and the, the two major stakeholders in that relationship are, as you said, not only the tenant but the landlord as well. Um, so what we 
what we did is to essentially allow the landlord right of reply to a, a review. And what we do there is that there's a process we have in place that allows the landlord to claim their property as them being the owner. And claiming their property on the site allows them to actually respond to reviews publicly if they wish. And right. if they're, if, as one example, so, you know, if there's a, a tenant that, you know, is, you know, to use your example, having a bit of a complaint about, uh, you know, rental increase or the dishwasher doesn't work or there's been a hole in the wall that hasn't fixed or whatnot, and that's actually not true, the landlord actually does have a right to claim the property and there's a, a process we have in place for that. And then they can either get in touch with us if they believe that the review is just blatantly false or defamatory and provide us with evidence to, to that effect. And then we can review that case and then get in touch with the tenant who made the rating, actually posted the review, and say, look, this review has been in dispute. Um, we've received some, some content from the landlord that actually indicates that, that your review may in fact be you know, slightly false or it might have been stretching the truth, so to speak. Can we have your side of the story? And then we'll try and arrive at a middle ground. Essentially, we're, we're trying to be the arbitrator there, right? And yep. uh, that, that will never be 100% perfect because the outcome of that process will, will always be something to the effect that one of the two parties may not be 100% happy. So we, we recognise that. But so essentially, that A, that there is that process in place for the, the landlord to have a right of reply. And if they want, they can actually reply to the review itself and make a publicly available statement. So in, in the example that I use, hypothetically, you know, if a, a dishwasher had to get replaced or something like that and the tenant was complaining that it hadn't been done, a landlord might be able to write back, actually, you know, I'm happy to say that the fault was rectified, the dishwasher's been replaced and any future tenants who are going to tenant the property will not have that problem, you know, and yep. stand by that. So it's it's essentially giving the landlord some sort of right of reply and trying to create a level playing field as much as possible where there's some sort of element of fundamental fairness involved. And, and we thought that was pretty important because yeah. I, I recognise what, yeah, what you are saying and that, that is a concern that some people have brought up. So I, I guess in some respects it's a little bit like the Google places or the Google business where you own a restaurant and somebody says, you know, the uh, the tartare sauce was off and you're <laughs> able to jump in and say, we actually don't have that on the menu. We think you were at uh, the place next door. Um, do, would you is, is that a fair comparison? I'm just kind of wondering, is there anything like this? Is Are, are you, I mean, there's probably marketing agencies that are telling you that uh, you need to be the Uber of rental properties properties or something mm. like that is, is there anything like there out this already or anything that you would compare this to um look I, when i was doing some research around this sort of concept in in the early days when i was trying to work out if there was a need for this or if the you know the niche was already filled so to speak um there, there is a couple of sites out there that also have facebook groups um, there, there was one in Australia which I think has been shut down now for some time. I think it was called Don't Rent Me or something like right. that. Um, and it, it, it actually filled the need because it, its goal, as I understood it, really was to, to sort of name and shame the worst properties in the country that people really should just be staying away from, you know, yep. because there's been multiple bad experiences for those sorts of things. 
and to be fair, there is a market for that sort of service, right? Like if, if I was if I was going to rent a property that by all accounts looked fine and the agent was representing it looked fine and all that sort of thing and it turned out to be a nightmare, then I'll, I would probably want to know too. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that one is shut down now and that exists just as a Facebook group. Um, that was started by a guy who was quite active in, in sort of the property industry in, in general as an advocate for renters' rights. Um, yeah. And I think he may have even... I think he may have even run for a local seat in either council or, or parliament in um, in a local party to, to that effect from memory. Right. In, yeah, last year. So he's, he's just sort of decided to take it on more as a professional um, interest. But it, apart from that, I think in answer to your question, I think the Victorian Tenants Union was trying to get something like this started up for the state of Victoria. I, I think I saw some, uh, you know, press release or a crowdfunding campaign or something like that. But hopefully they don't feel the need to do that anymore now that we've built this. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, a- apart from that, uh, we haven't really seen too much else that, that sort of fits the bill of exactly what we're trying to do. And and mainly mainly because, the as I said, the, the goal was that we were trying to create a platform that was fundamentally fair and got buy-in from both major stakeholders because without that, we, we felt that it would probably struggle to, to get off the ground. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm wondering, I can see the value of a landlord registering their property to have that right of reply, especially if they think there's a, an unjust comment. But is there any value to a landlord coming and claiming their, their property uh, that maybe hasn't had a review or doesn't feature on the, the site yet? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well. Um, yeah, look, we, we think that there is actually, there's one specific use case, which is probably more of a slow burn for, for the landlord. Um, and look, the majority of landlords, I think, and perhaps contrary to, to how some people may feel, really do want to do the right thing. You know, most landlords are not super savvy. They haven't been landlords for their entire life. Um, a lot of landlords are, are quote unquote rent vesters in Australia, particularly yeah. seeing as, as you know, um, interest rates have, have sort of bottomed out over the last couple of years and that has resulted in house prices, especially for freestanding homes in some cities, um, rising quite high out of some people's reach. So the idea of rent vesting and, and buying an investment property as a unit somewhere else and renting where you want to live is quite attractive. So many people who, who sort of fall into that bucket um, are, are quite young themselves and they, they really just want to do the right thing and they want to get fairly rewarded for the risk that they're taking as a landlord and ideally build some equity up um, in that property so that they can build some wealth for later on in life. So pe- people who are in, whether they're in that bucket or whether they're a seasoned landlord who's quite experienced, what we would say is that smart landlords, we think, will probably want to get behind this because if they treat their tenants fairly and the tenant 
treats their property with respect and, and the responsibility that they have. It's actually in the landlord's favour to do that because that would mean that the tenant is more apt to leave a positive review for that property. Yep. And as time goes on, the more that property comes up for rental, you know, a year, two years, three, five years in advance and so forth, the more people see those positive reviews, that actually makes that landlord's property more desirable to rent. And therein lies a greater chance that landlord will receive higher quality applicants or at least have a bigger share of people to, to choose from, um, which really just sort of increases that level of security and comfort that they can have as an investor. It's an interesting one because there's all sorts of stats out there about uh, the value of reviews and how people conduct the reviews online before purchasing and that sort of thing. So so that kind of seems like an obvious one, but I'm wondering what else there might be perhaps with people that you say are rent vesting, um, maybe they are investing remotely from where they are. It could be an opportunity for them to sort of I guess have almost like a secret shopper telling them how well their agent is responding to repair requests and that sort of thing. What are you seeing in the platform? Is it is it just about the don't rent me, this is not a nice place, or does it cover things like, you know, it's north-facing or it tends to get a bit of mould in the winter or mm-hmm. there's a... You know, there's a bearded dragon that likes peanut butter <laughs> toast on a Sunday, that sort of stuff. Right, of course, yeah. Yeah, look, um, that's a good point, actually. And I think that that probably is one area that could definitely be an advantage to a landlord because, as you say, for many rent investors, especially if they're buying a property interstate, they can't always be there. They're relying on the agent to do the inspection and not just an inspection but a thorough one as well because, obviously, you you know, people hear stories of, of agents potentially not doing thorough inspections and the landlord not getting the full story if something is wrong. So if I was a landlord, I, I would want to know what the current state of, of my property was and especially if something went wrong. Um, and an example of that might be something like a burst pipe, right, where a lot of tenants may may decide to just let that go or let you know, deal with it. If it's a little drip underneath a dishwasher or if there's a, a burst pipe and a tiny patch of carpet in the corner is a tiny bit wet and, oh, you know, it'll be fine and I'll just mop it up with a towel and move on sort of thing. But any smart landlord will actually want to be kept apprised of those things because it will mean that they can keep their property in better shape and they can also, as you say, as you're, you're alluding to, um, get an idea of whether or not potentially they're, they're getting value for money out of their agency relationship who's doing those inspections. So mm. it, it, I think there is some advantages there in that um, because, as, yeah, as a, as a landlord, you would be taking on quite a high level of risk, um, you know, in regards to those things, especially if you're somewhat younger and it's your, your first sort of jump into the, the foray of investment property. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. When it comes to the site, I mean, obviously you care about the the plight of of the rentor renter, and there's there's a tremendous amount of value that we've uncovered already. But is this a social enterprise? Is this a a business? How, how is there a plan for this to be uh, a revenue generating thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, right now. I think as we're very fresh, we we literally only just launched in the last quarter of last year. Um, I think we would definitely be classed as more of a social enterprise than a business. Um, 
And, you know, one of the things that the site obviously needs in order to be successful with, with new users is reviews, right? So w- we would ask, you know, anyone that's interested and, and we say the same thing on the site, um, you know, hop on, create a free account. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't cost anything. And just rate a couple of your old rental properties that you're no longer in or rate your current yeah. one. Because as, as people get more interested, the value that they will get is directly as a result of the sharing of that information. Yeah. So as, as more people get on and they rate their rental properties, that actually helps more renters down the line directly after them who want to come on and read a review about a rental property they might be about to rent. So sort of like that, that domino effect, you know, the chicken before the egg, so to speak. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in, in terms of sort of monetizing it or, you know, how we, we move ahead in the years from here, I think um, it's an interesting one. I've been asked this question a, a few times now by different people. I think that if we were to try to commercialize it or monetize it in some way, the price that you would charge a renter or a user of the site would have to be directly related to the value that you can provide them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's no use us going out there and, and trying to pitch ourselves like, uh, you know, some sort of more established business and charging a monthly subscription fee of eighty nine ninety five or something like that because the vast majority of renters will probably only be using the site once or maybe twice a year. But yeah. the times that they do use it will be very heavily reliant on the information that they get. So, you know, something like that, it, if in future it, it does sort of take off and, and we do want to build the site out with greater features, functionality, um, create some other partnerships or, you know, in, in future maybe create an app or something like that. Um, if we did have to monetize it, I think we'd probably, yeah, we'd, we'd probably move ahead with maybe some kind of, very, very low yearly fee in that sense yep. because it, it wouldn't make sense to charge a, a monthly subscription. Yeah. Well, let me know if Jeff Bezos or anyone is uh, is calling you up because then I'll, um, I'll be a first-round <laughs> investor. Uh, <laughs> right. We'll, we'll open it up to podcast listeners as well. Yep. Um, <laughs> how, how would you, taking a bit of a, a step back, how would you characterise the position of renters uh, right now? Do you think that the sort of, the renter versus landlord relationship has a bias tipped in any particular direction, and does and if so, does that does that sort of speak to your mission behind this enterprise? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it, in general, yes, I, I think a lot of times there can be a little bit of a power imbalance between a landlord and a renter. Um, I think it depends on the state and even right down to the, the pockets of certain suburbs in that state or in that city from time to time. Um, the, the chief sort of metric that comes to mind is the rental vacancy rate, which ebbs and flows as, as years go on. Yeah. Um, and I think as an example right now, you know, some of the two lowest cities in the entire country that have vacancy rates below 1%, um, as of December last year, I think there was actually about four or five, I think Adelaide was about 0.7%. Hobart is one of the lowest in the country, if not the lowest, I think, at about 0.6%. Um, Perth at about 09 And many of those cities have actually been on downward trends for several years. Um, and I think in some cases what that can be a result of is 
is investors going on the hunt for yield combined with the fact that you might have a slightly higher inflow of state to state you know immigration people moving from one state to another state because they think it may be more affordable or they're trying to move for a first job or being a bit more flexible in living arrangements and, and things like that so when those states that are are seen as to be more affordable to live get a higher influx of investors on a hunt for yield because investors have been pushed out of you know cities like sydney and melbourne where prices have risen too far beyond their grasp mm. and that's combined with a lot of demand from renters as well that can typically make for a, a bit of a perfect storm on the renter front where a lot of renters might feel squeezed you know against the wall a little bit you, you know you've got those situations where in the example that I gave, you know, you're turning up and there's 85 people at the at the inspection and, you, you know, your heart sinks for a minute. You think, oh, God, you know, am I going to have to overbid 5 or 10 or $15 a week just to get a look in for this place or something like that? So um, I think that in some cities and some states, yes, there, there definitely is a bit of that power imbalance. Um, and I think there's also an interesting shift happening right now as a result of the pandemic because... And I was actually just reading an article in, in Domain this morning that was talking about it where what, what you've got now is a situation where investors have been quite willing to pay premium prices to get a well-located property, whether it's a, particularly with units in high-rises in close to city infrastructure like the Sydney CBD or the Melbourne CBD or, or what have you. Um, but at the same time, that's combined with much, much higher vacancy rates in those pockets specifically because you've had a net outflow of people out of the country or at least net immigration flow has been severely reduced due to COVID. So yes. that's real, exactly right. So that's, that's resulted in higher vacancy rates in those areas. So right now, temporarily, I would say, in situations like that, the power imbalance is tipped back in favour of the renter just slightly, where they may be able to negotiate a lower rent and, and get a good deal for one or two years. But I think that on the horizon, that actually represents somewhat of a risk for the rental market and for renters specifically, because once Australia gets COVID under control, and, you know, the Morrison government has, has definitely shown that they're on the, the front foot for this. They're very, very keen to get vaccination happening. They're keen to get people back to work, you know, that they don't want the economy slowing down for any longer than is necessary. Um, you could be left with a situation where you've got these highly concentrated suburbs with lots of investors who have paid a premium for that property and a tenant who has gotten a good deal for a couple of years and then the market strengthens up again, vacancy rates start to drop, and that landlord says, okay, well, now I have to recoup my costs because I'm paying a much higher mortgage because I've had to borrow more, and then the rent gets jacked up. So yes. there could be a bit of a swing on the horizon, I think, in, in that sense in, in some certain cities, and I think probably Sydney and Melbourne are close to the CBD is at a strong risk of that. Um, and then you'll you'll see somewhat of a lag effect spreading out to to other capital cities in the country after that. I think. Yeah, and the location is is really the critical thing, isn't it? In terms of of, of housing stress, we've seen areas of the country like Hobart having such a tight vacancy that there's 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 tent cities and all sorts of things like like mm. that popping up. 
I'm interested in your your sort of utopian vision of what renting's like going to be in the future, whether it be from a rather than a supply demand point of view, but from a technology point of view, do, do you see it moving to a little bit more of a European model where we're going to longer tenancies or is there going to be more technology such as yours to, uh, I guess, enable people to make more informed decisions? What are you thinking mm-hmm. in the future? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of trends which have started to sort of pop their head up and and attract a bit of attention. Um, In Sydney specifically, there's been the advent of the build-to-rent model where a developer, in contrast to, you know, in in the past where the vast majority of, of rentals in the private market are done through an agency or a private landlord, um, what's happening now is is much, much closer to what's common in the United States where a developer will acquire a large parcel of land and build several large apartment blocks on that land that, that might cover the equivalent of something like, you know, 5 to 10 to 15 standard-sized, you know, quarter-acre blocks, you know, the 550-square-metre block with several hundred apartments on that complex and instead of then selling them off to private investors, they actually retain the ownership rights of that entire complex and lease the property directly to the tenant. So yes. the developer becomes the developer and the agent, you know, and the landlord as such, if it makes sense. So there's there's one that has um, popped up in Sydney Olympic Park. I, I think from memory it's called Live Indigo. And their model, and it's been written about a little bit in the past couple of months, their model is to really attract tenants who want ease of convenience and they don't want to have to worry about, you know, chasing an agent for maintenance. They don't want to have to worry about costs of buying and transporting their own white goods, which especially if you're a young tenant and you're, you know, you're studying and you're in a share house or something like that. Um, you know, many people have to go out and buy those things from scratch and then figure out how to ship them to your place, which can be frustrating. Um, so that they're sort of targeting people who are um, willing to pay a slightly higher premium to get a lot of those conveniences. And a lot of these complexes will, will have, you know, a pool and a spa and community facilities like barbecues and a little grass area, a clubhouse, an office with computer and printing facilities and free Wi-Fi and, you don't have to worry about popping a nail in your wall and hang a picture up and that sort of thing. Um, and, and that could be quite attractive for a lot of people, I think. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that takes off. And I, I think initially the sweet spot for them will probably be with renters who are sort of late 20s, early 30s, getting somewhat more established in their career. They've got a slightly higher disposable income and they're not yet ready to buy their own property as an owner-occupier or as a rent vestor. They're sort of in that transition phase. Um, and they're willing to pay for those conveniences because they, they may be working some long hours or commuting or what have you. And they're, they're looking for that sense of community, right? Um, so it can benefit those people that, that want that and they, they want convenience at their fingertips and they may have just freshly moved to the state and not have a lot of family and friends and, and that sort of thing. So... I think that sort of tenant will probably be their target market with that. Um, the flip side to that with that trend is that when you're paying a price premium that's sort of in a in contrast to what the median rent is for that suburb, 
and there is a disparity between the rental vacancy rate and the price that they're charging, it might be a bit of a big ask for some developers in some cases at that point. And I think in we wrote a bit about this in a, a blog on our, our site when I was researching it last year, where I think it, at the time of writing, the vacancy rate was somewhere around the 35 to 4% mark around Sydney Olympic Park, and the median rent was uh, you know some 30% lower than the median rent that they were asking for to rent one of the properties in the complex. Yeah, so right. it, it could be there's sort of a trade-off there. So that they might have to feel their way a little bit, no, I think for some people who are willing to do that, um, but it, it just depends what people value in their life, right? That, that's what it comes down to. If you're not going to be home that much, then it, it probably would not really interest you. But if you are a bit of a homebody and, and you would like that sense of community and, a, you know, a pool and a little park and a, you know, a community house or a clubhouse or what have you, then um, then that, that could definitely be of, of value to some people. So that's that's probably one future trend that I see maybe expanding and I think that will probably start to expand a bit more probably in Sydney and Melbourne first, especially once COVID is over and, you know, net immigration flow starts to to rise back. Um, and I think the other in future, yeah, look, I, I would hope that um, other sorts of digital reviewing tools that that really sort of harness the power of a community would, would take off um, because I think that there's – I guess power is the wrong word because power implies an automatic imbalance. Um, I just think there's a lot of value in that. There's a lot of value in in people who have a common or a shared interest or a shared goal taking five minutes of their time and, and putting something out there for the greater good. Um, so we, we may get to a point where we build an app out or something like that, um, but for now we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how it goes, I guess. And for now, what's your best uh, advice, Trevor, for for landlords and, and and tenants, but perhaps landlords especially who are more likely to be listening to this podcast to, to get involved in ratetherental.com.au? Mm-hmm. Look, I think um, the best advice we'd, we'd probably give landlords would, would be, you know, try not to be closed to change. Be open to change because if you can be open to change, it can actually be a good thing. You know, if you can figure out how to, accept it and and integrate it and transcend it even into your your personal investment goals um you know spread the word be an advocate of it if you like the idea if you can see that it has an opportunity for yourself in in helping you achieve your goals then speak well of it to to real estate agents and so forth um who you know and others who may be a little bit skeptical but um yeah i think that would be the biggest thing that i would say is, is just be open to change because it can actually bring some good things Beautiful. Well, we've we've certainly had our uh, eyes opened as to what potentially is going to be the the new normal in that uh, in the tenancy uh, landlord dynamic. Mm-hmm. If people are wanting to get in touch with you, Trevor, what's the best way to do that? Sure, uh, best way to do that uh, they can send a direct message on the site uh, ratetherental.com.au or they can contact me directly on Trevor at ratetherental.com.au via email. Beautiful. There you go. Sign up, claim your property and uh, get on the front foot getting good reviews and uh, and getting your rental property in demand. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Most in- investors uh, understand the value of a, of, a, of a real good sort of symbiosis between the tenant and the landlord. And most landlords are wanting to, to provide a great 
uh, property and of mm-hmm. course invest in their future as well and uh, and we're all about that as well so thank you very much for joining me today Trevor it's been, it's been a real pl- privilege thanks Mike I appreciate it appreciate your time cheers cheers <laughs>